0: David, we're glad you're here this morning.
1: Thank you. Um, Before I speak or preach, I want to speak. Um, This morning, Pastor Simeon Lee from Moscow, it's in your bulletin, will be speaking, um, participating. Um, uh, Simeon lives in Moscow, born in Tajikistan. You'll see in the Central Asian map. um, He is the Youth for Christ International Director for Central Asia. All those places, you don't know where they are, okay? Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan. Um, They are in Mongolia, which isn't on the map. They're in Western China. These are all Muslim countries. And then they also have a person training to start a YFC ministry in Afghanistan. And so... Um, Simeon is a pastor of Central Asians in Moscow, and he directs the ministry um, in that part of the world. He's here to be immersed in English. Um, He's had time with a couple of our church families already. Uh, Sometimes we let him go and at the deep end of the pool and speak as much English as he can, and other times we go with him to help. Um, he will read a part of the message this morning, a story that illustrates. Uh, this will be the third time he has uh, taught in English, um, and he's getting better every time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll be sharing a story from his ministry in Afghanistan in a few minutes. Pastor Chuck introduced us this year to our verse for the year. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, God, my rock and my redeemer. As I looked at that, I've been processing what does it mean for the words of my mouth to be pleasing? What standard do I use? How do I do this? What do I look at? And this morning, we're going to take some time just to focus on that area of our lives Because most of us use words a lot. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we shouldn't use words that we do. Sometimes we shouldn't even talk. But we use words. And in a very practical, down-to-earth way, I want to look at that. We have already celebrated Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3. Ephesians 1, 2, 3 says, you are in Christ. Christ. You were that. Remember Pastor Chuck standing here. You were in the world. You lived by desires of the world. You were dead in your trespasses. Spiritually dead. I mean, you were living, but you were dead spiritually. And over here, you are made alive in Christ Jesus. And we have celebrated, and if you've taken communion, you have declared this morning, I'm alive in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. But what we're going to look at is, chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 1, I urge you to live your life worthy of your calling you have received. Are the words of my mouth pleasing to the Lord? Do they reflect my position in Jesus Christ? Are they representative of who I am? My twin sister and I were adopted at birth. We were Fogelbas all our life, even though Biologically, we come from a different family. And with the name of Fogelba by the year 10, when we were 10 years old, we could actually say it and spell it. <laughs> and I have characteristics in my life, physiologically, like my biological past, okay? My biological father, when I met him, is as handsome as I am, hair and all. Nobody has ever accused us of being really handsome, but I look like him. We have characteristics. When I met my biological sister for the first time, she's talking and she flips her hand in a funny way. And I looked over and my twin sister, they've never spent more than a week together, did the same thing. There's some stuff that's in the DNA that we can't do anything about, right? For good and for bad. Our DNA, we are sinners saved by grace. In our DNA, we carry some of these characteristics, and they often come spewing out of our lives in the words that we use. And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to just simply look at our speech. James chapter 3, it's in the bulletin. I think it's coming up. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, my sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same stream? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine figs? Neither can a spring produce, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He's saying in James 3, with your mouth, it's going to tell us what the meditations of your heart are. It's going to tell you where you're grounded. It's going to tell us where we have been changed or in the process of being changed. This morning, I'd like to look at a checklist. This isn't a a moral checklist and you could go home and say, yes, I've made it. It's more of a checklist if you've ever flown on a plane and you're walking out the jetway and you look down and the pilot or co-pilot's checking the plane, he scientifically check kicks the tire. I have no idea what happens when you kick a tire in a 747, but you kick the tire and you see that man looking around and then you walk in and you see the pilot in the cockpit and they're not reading the newspaper, hopefully. They're looking at a checklist. They were created by Boeing, started in 1932. It's a checklist to see, have we turned on all the things? Is everything working fine? This is just a checklist this morning for you to look and say, is my life and the words of my mouth operating and representing who I am in Christ Jesus? The first one is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It's really a passage about teaching and about evangelists and the spiritual gifts, unity of the body, and it said, uh, instead of being tossed around by every doctrine and idea that comes along, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up with Him who is the head, that is Christ. First principle, are you speaking the truth in love? That's a, that's a two-edged sword. <laughs> Some of us speak the truth, but we use it to kill. <laughs> We use it to manipulate. We use it like a sledgehammer. If you don't believe me, (sighs) over here there's people that speak in love but no truth. And God miraculously wants us to combine the speaking of truth, theologically presenting the gospel, talking to our spouses, talking to our children, being at work, speaking the truth in love. Now, that's a lifelong balance, isn't it? We all know the situations we get into. Your husband comes out with a suit that he found in the back of the closet. It really was in style 25 years ago. And he says, how's this look on me now? Look, I can still button it. Uh, Yeah, but the back sticks out and the shoulders aren't right and that style's gone. How do you say, where in the world did you find that? Don't even give it to Salvation Army. Just burn it. You know, there's those times where we have to work on this. (laughs) And when we say speak the truth, that doesn't mean you tell all the truth at one time. Sometimes you do it delicately in pieces to grow, right? You don't start the gospel presentation by, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. Now, that's true, right? (laughs) But most people aren't drawn to that for some reason. Uh, They they need to know that they're loved, that they're cared for, that they're forgiven, that they're affirmed in the body of Christ. So are we a people that speak the truth in love? I'm talking about in our families, to our children, to our spouses, to the people at work. That's not saying you say all the truth that you think of all the time, okay? This isn't saying spew out everything you're thinking about. It's saying when you speak, speak the truth in love. I would like Simeon to come. Simeon is going to read a passage. We uh, had him write it in Russian, then it got translated by Google Company, and then it got translated again into real English. And uh, Simeon's been practicing it, and uh, this is a story we heard a a year ago, and then we wanted you to hear as a body about speaking the truth in love. The picture above is Simeon, and the man to his left is Asim Kory. And it's a story of him meeting Asim Kory. A uh, Kory Asim. <laughs> Thank you,
0: Pastor David. Good day. Uh, s- s- sorry, my English, not very well. <laughs> um, this is my story. It was my first missionary trip to Afghanistan. Five young people from our church in Tajikistan. Hey recently finished our study in seminary, and we are eager to change the world for Christ. Our goal was to save as many people as possible. When we arrived in the city of Kandus, one local man was assigned to help us. His name was Kory The title Kori means the person who knows the Quran by heart, and has authority among Muslims. He had to watch us to make sure we did not preach the gospel. But we preached anyway, and he did not seem to care. We all liked to preach to this man, because if such a person believed, it will be a great testimony of our victory. We tried to preach to him using every message, method we learned in seminary. But all attempts failed. He did not respond to us. One day, I had the opportunity to be alone with Koriyazim, and I was sure this time I could lead him to salvation, because I had a lot of knowledge. I could do it very well. On my way to visit him, just a few steps from his room, God stopped me and said. What are you going to do? I want to preach, I replied. But you didn't ask me how to do this. That puzzled me. I never asked God about it. I knew what God wanted, but I did not know how. He wanted me to do it. Then I realized that God love can destroy any obstacle on the way to a man's heart. Get on your knees and beg forgiveness. God said to me, at the time I didn't, didn't weigh, it has to be done. But I decided to obey God. My eyes filled with tears and that moment I experienced it. And understood God's love for this world. As I approached Koreazim, the words themselves began to image from my mouth. I said, "Forgive I Christians for all the pain they have cast to you people. Many Christian countries wage war on your land, and cast a lot of sorrow and suffering to you people." England, the Soviet Union, USA, all three these countries represented the Christian world to you. All these wars were suffering on the common people and left a wound in the, a wound in the heart of Afghanistan. Jesus Christ came to reconcile meant to God by his life, showing people love and compassion. He became the savior of the world. I will consider my mission complete if you forgive us, Christian, and will accept our love and desire to help you from heart. He stood up and walked out of the room, and I was alone on my knees and thought, what just happened? That day I realized that the foundation of our ministry to the world is love, and community, not knowledge alone. Six months later, when I came back to the city, I was very surprised to see Koreazim, a totally different person. He was joyful and beaming with happiness. He ran up to me and in a quiet voice. He told me that we believe in Jesus and found salvation. He was leading five Bible study groups with a total of eight people. His pastor confirmed that he is a great help in his ministry. It was a great miracle that happened in front of my eyes. I was very happy. Within one year, that man, Koryazim, was killed for his faith as testimony of the living God, who loves people and desires the salvation. I want to believe that my obedience to God and love for this man allowed God to touch and change his life forever. One day I will meet him in heaven and we will be both killing before a loving God and together send him for atom love which a count saint made, consummated in his son. Thank you, God, for your love.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've asked Simeon to pray for the church of Afghanistan he will pray in Russian let's pray with him
0: I pray for Russian mm-hmm. God, we thank you for today's service in the church let this church will be filled with your spirit let the power of your salvation Силой свидетельство Твоего эта церковь будет исполнена и будет выполнять Твой план по всему миру. Мы благословляем пастора церкви и благословляем сегодня всех верующих. Пусть эта церковь будет светом и солью этого мира. I pray by name is Jesus. Аминь.
1: You're speaking in the truth in love may not be facing a man to present him with Christ knowing that he may be killed. That's an awesome experience. I've had that once and Simeon many times. You're speaking in truth may be something you say at work, something you say, I can't do anymore. I can't lie about that. I can't cheat about that. I can't whatever. It may be going to somebody that's hurt you. It may be saying it to yourself. I will speak the truth. Number two, and this is such an assumed value that maybe we don't admit it or talk about it enough, but we are to be people that do not lie. We tell the truth. I thought of that this week as I got my IRS forms. (laughs) Of course I would never lie, but I don't want to pay them anything I don't have to. Lord, blend those together. (laughs) We are to be a people that speak truth. John 8.44 says, talks of the devil, the father of lies. I have a book in uh, Theophastic Prayer Ministry and they have 20 pages on different kinds of lies. Lies upon lies and how they cluster and build and grow. Isaiah 45.19 says, I am a God, I am truth. John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So when we lie in any form, we are denying that God is a God of truth in some ways. Um, He wants our yes to be yes and our no to be no. There's a story of a man that was teaching on how to be a good parent. And he said to the people, when you tell your children to do something and you say, if you don't, I'm going to, then do it. So, hopefully you don't say, if you don't have a baby, I'm going to kill you. That's not really what you're going to do normally Uh, once in a while, but, you know, not really. But this lady would say to her children, if you're not good, I'm going to throw you out the window. Praise the Lord. She lived on a ranch, first floor. And one day, She said this, and she remembered that her word is to be yes, and her word is to be no. Yes is yes, no is no. And so she opened the window and threw the kid out the window. Now, she knew it was all snow out there. No one's going to hurt him. I don't know the story except to say, I bet they didn't do that more than once. (laughs) But she started to get it. Sometimes our yes is no, and our no is yes. That's not correct. Yes, I'll do that project for you. Maybe we should say, when I can get to it, or set a time. It doesn't have to be huge lies against the evil one. We're to be men and women of truth, children and adolescents and emerging adults, wherever we are in life, we are to be men and women that speak the truth. By the way, when you've had hard times in life, abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, financial times, medical times, things happen that you don't expect. Often the evil one embeds a lie in the middle of that. God, I don't deserve to be sick. And the devil says, yes, you do. And it's God's fault. And he sets lies in the middle of these hard experiences that you have to go back and say, now, Lord, show me the truth. Some of you have been through divorce. Some of you have had death in your family. And the evil one wants to penetrate those terrible experiences, those broken expectations, those unfulfilled dreams with lies. Be careful as you work through those and ask the Lord to show you where there's a lie in there that needs to be replaced with truth. Even when things are hard, He loves you. Even when things are difficult, God is good. Even when things are the worst possible place you could imagine, God's working. devil won't tell you that. Number three, no unwholesome words, but, uh, uh, Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Ephesians 5, 4. No obscenity, foolish talk, and coarse joking. Now, that's not a common experience uh, in church, right? <laughs> we don't normally do this. But the truth is, Some of us are wrapped around that at work. It could be at a high school football game, and it could be at a professional office, and it could be anywhere that you exist, and you're wrapped around this stuff, and you're hearing it. And it becomes the norm which you may think I have to do to be one of the guys to be part of this office. If I was speaking in some cultures, I would get very loud and animated right here to explain how important this is. Um, I'm not in that culture, and I won't do it. I'm not good at that. But I want to challenge you to think about unwholesome words, obscenities, foolish talk, coarse jesting, that become norm for us. Maybe in the football locker room. Maybe it's at the office. Maybe it's with the guys. Maybe it's with the girls. In a certain situation... Uh, as, and I'm thinking many, many of our high school kids and our college kids, I'm sorry, our high school young adults and our college young adults that get faced with this all the time. That coarse jesting may be talking about body parts in and crude and, and derogatory, pejorative terms rather than biological terms. I don't know what that is, but I know we get assaulted with it. I also know that if you don't use it, you will stand out. People will come up to you and say, oh, I'm sorry for saying that. You should be. I mean, I forgive you. (laughs) Um, Whatever response you, you, you find appropriate. It's okay not to fit in because of that. When I was in the army, I would hear words at the end of sentences. I thought there were words that I would never repeat repeat, or especially in public, but that ended the sentences, you know, and there were words there that i didn 't use, and i I didn't have trouble not using them there, but then I would come to see Carol up at Moody, and I 'd walk the hallowed halls of Moody, and boy, I had words because these Christians didn 't finish the sentences like the guys I was with all week, and all of a sudden the words just popped in my head, I said, lord, you're going to have to help me here because I wash my mind, wash my heart because It's it's just programmed because what? It's a set of habits, isn't it? How many of you love changing habits? Amen? (laughs) Yeah, right. Most of us quit changing habits January 2nd. Some of us have continued. You're tough. Habits change hard. Number four, and this one can sneak into our life easier than some of the other ones that we talked about in three. No slander, malice, anger, gossip, and grumbling. I think there's a country music song like this, but I'm not sure. I haven't found it yet. Slanders cutting other people down so you look better. They're put-downs. Some of you in groups that your commodity, your, your um, currency of acceptance is putting people down, and it can be slanderous. Malice is rage, anger. It holds on to it. It simmers Anger, God, God is angry. It's anger isn't a sin, but how we express that anger often comes out as negative. Gossip and grumbling, these are more church problems than we'd like to admit. Not that our church, of course, but the churches. And and gossip is talking to someone about someone else who will think less of that person and can do nothing about it. Okay? Want me to try that again, Greg? Yeah, okay. <laughs> It's talking to someone about someone else, that will make that person think less of the third person, but can do nothing about it. So you come to the pastor's office, you come to Chuck, you come to Gabe, you come to Tim or myself, and you say, "I got this problem. I, I think there's a marriage, and I'm not sure." Or one lady came to me and said, "I, th- I think my husband's in pornography, but I'm not sure." Years ago, not here, and and. Um, Uh, It wasn't gossip because I can do something about it. That's my calling. That's our privilege to move forward and to stop and to talk and to look at the issues. Are they real? Are they not real? Grumbling, oh my goodness, they came out of Israel. They were finally free after 400 years, 350 probably of of slavery, 300 years. The Jewish community, Israel's out in the desert and they say, boy, I can't wait to go back and have garlic and leek. I can know that would be really exciting Valentine's dinner, wouldn't it? Honey, I want to take you out for garlics and leek tonight, you know. But I guess if you're eating manna every day and there's no seasonings, wait a minute, that's British food. No, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) You know, they're saying grumble, 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 and God condemned them. Grumbling says, I'm not content. I want something more. I'm angry at you. You're not meeting my needs, God, and you better show up. That's grumbling, a lot of it. By the way, go to God with these issues. We're talking about our words to each other. God's not intimidated if you say, I'm tired of garlic and leeks. He's not going to get upset. Remember, we just said we're going to the cross that takes care of our shame and our guilt. Read Psalms. David just let it go sometimes. He pulled the emotional filters out and just let it go. Hey, cursed be my enemy and may they never have kids and may their widows have no children. I mean, and then he got it out, and then he could go on and praise God. Are my words encouraging rather than destructive? Ooh, ask the people who live with you. Ask your kids. It's interestingly enough, in Ephesians, there's a specific passage that says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I think my kids learned that just after Jesus wept. I'm not sure. I I think that the words that we use have to build up, don't they? Do we encourage? By the way, I'm not saying be naive and blind and stupid. I'm not saying be prudish and, and ignore the truth. But I'm saying, can we say the hard stuff in a good way? Can we say it encouraging one another? I see this in you. I believe in you. I was at Men Ministry a few weeks ago. Now, one of our members invited a a, a young man to come, and as I got to know him, he said, I work in a situation where the guy on my left at my workstation only talks about getting drunk and women, and the guy on my right speaks about weed and football. That's all they talk about. And I love to talk to this guy from church because he talks about other stuff. He actually can handle ideas, (laughs) and he's not intimidated, and he asks hard questions and good questions. That's the kind of seasoning our speech is to be. That's to be encouraging speech. That's to be caring speech. That's to be the words that penetrate the damage and the destruction of lies and the world beating on people and cutting them down and making them nothing by their words, either in their families, in their work, in their culture. Number five, there's to be no peddling, flattery, or manipulation. Paul says more than once, I'm not peddling the gospel. That's a really interesting, I'm not selling it on the side so I get something. Uh, You can turn on Christian TV around the world and see that. (laughs) And now if you give to us, I'm sure God will give back to you. I won't, but God will. Oh, and by the way, if you accept that, then I'm a better person. Sometimes the gospel is presented like a sales pitch that if you buy this thing, then I'm better off. That's peddling Flattery is lifting up people so that they will think best of you, not encouraging them out of authenticity and genuine care. It's saying, if I flatter them, I worked for a guy once, he was a good man, but he was known, and a technical word in that community was schmoozing. Ever met with somebody that schmoozes? I couldn't spell it or I would have put it up there. <laughs> You know, that's, I'm, I'm going to make you look good, we're going to be buddies, we're going to get along, and oh, you're buying lunch, and, or I'm buying lunch because I look better. That kind of a person. And there's nothing wrong with what they say often, and there's truth in what they say, but there's this attitude floating underneath. Or manipulation. We've all been with people that manipulate us. We don't like it. We're not to be men and women of manipulation. Manipulation. So what happens if you say, hey, I got one of these on my checklist that God's saying, look at that. Just look at it. And we could add other ones, false testimonies, some other ones, but this this will get us started. Then we're going to talk about changing habits or patterns. Now, sometimes when you become a Christian, God changes it automatically. I know men that quit drinking, no more drugs, no more bad language, no more whatever. It happened immediately. Praise God. And that happens, right? And if we could stand up and say, how many of you changed immediately? There's people here that would. But often it's the slower process, the grinding process, the growth process of change. First thing you have to do is you have to admit to yourself you need improvement. You're not going to go anywhere. God's not going to come in and whack you and make you change if you don't want to change. You can fight God. God. Number one, I need help in this area. I am guilty of whatever one. And then you confess to the Lord, Lord, I'm out of I'm out of line. Remember, you're going to the throne of grace where shame and guilt and sin are powerless. And you're really just telling him what he already knows, right? You're not going to surprise him. Oh, I didn't know that about you. You're not my friend anymore. I'm going to unfriend you. God doesn't do that. You're in Christ. Let me tell you a story of a, a man named Jan Pederuski. He's a famous Polish pianist, died 1940. And this is a story of something that happened in his life. Um, it was before internet, so we can't prove it's true. Because, of course, everything on internet's true. But um, at one point, Pederewski was having a big concert. He was in America a lot. Uh, Roosevelt really appreciated him in the 30s. And he was at a concert and a family brought their little child to encourage him as a pianist. And they're talking and all of a sudden uh, they look up and they hear a noise and they look up and a little their son is up there at the piano playing chopsticks. As any good first year student, first month, first week, I don't know, student would do. And oh my goodness, the parents were mortified and people yelled, oh get that kid off the stage. And Pederewski came from the sidelines wrapped his arms around this little boy and filled it in and made a beautiful piece of chopsticks. (laughs) This is how I see what's happening here. I have to do my chopsticks with my two fingers at the piano by saying, I'm guilty, I confess. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes, wraps his arms around me and makes it something workable and beautiful bit by bit. Amen? Sometimes it's quick change, sometimes it's slow change, but it's change. And sometimes you're, making, you're changing patterns that are deep. Some of you grew up in homes where language was terrible, where lies were common, where putting people down was the currency of love somehow. That's not easy. We're changing deep stuff here. And then finally, I think often we need to create ways to be held accountable in that. Find a friend Uh, uh, older, younger, doesn't matter, male to men, women to women saying, I'm having trouble with this area and I'm praying to God for this. Would you pray with me and would you hold me accountable? And if you ever hear me doing this, and I promise not to run from you now that I've asked you that, would you, speaking the truth in love, come to me and say, you're getting back in your old patterns again. Watch your language. That was a little bit of gossip. I know you were praying for him, but it was gossip. (laughs) This is the put off of Ephesians 4.22 and the put on of 4.24 where we blend them together to become what God wants us to be. This is only in the words of our mouth, but they're pretty important. Some of you have been deeply hurt by words, And some of you remember the day when somebody put his arm around you or she put her arm around you and said, you're a good mom, you're a good wife, you're a good person, you're a good writer, you're a good artist, you're a good whatever, and how powerful those words could be. My prayer today is that the words of my mouth, the words of our mouths, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and Redeemer. Amen. Okay. Pastor Simeon will be in the back if you want to talk to him. We've invited, we've taken him to the homes. We still have some opportunities. If you'd like to have him in the next week, come and sit and practice his English in your world. You could learn a lot and uh, see what's happening with YFC and his ministry.